welcome to the Schools and Academies Show podcast. This episode was recorded at the Schools and Academies Show in Birmingham on 13th and 14th November 2019. Don't forget to register for your free place at our upcoming show on www.schoolsandacademiesshow.co.uk. Good afternoon, everyone. I've been asked to talk to you a bit about uh, collaborative leadership uh, on a strategic basis uh, from our experience as the uh, Catholic Education Service for England and Wales. So I thought I'd start off with um, a little bit of perspective uh, where we're coming from, and why our experience might be helpful to others. Um, a little bit about some innovation that we've done uh, over the the, uh, the 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 time that we've been um, involved in the, these things. Um, keeping it up to date, I hope. A little bit about principles of good governance, as we see them, focusing on a couple of key issues. Um, and also looking, taking a kind of uh, perspective look at structures within education. Um, something about the numbers of, uh, of, of schools and academies that we have uh, and the variation between them. And then finishing up with some examples of innovation uh, in our sector and looking at uh, some balances between uh, development and growth, particularly um, in the academy sector. So if I start with our perspective, there's something about having been involved in education in this country, uh, heavily involved for over a thousand years, uh, that gives us a bit of a perspective. Sometimes people accuse the church of being quite slow and uh, accusing it of thinking in centuries. Well, sometimes that can be a bad thing and sometimes it can be a good thing. Because we've all seen in our lifetimes, haven't we, in education, the educational cycle of things coming and going and coming back again. And if you stand still, you'll experience something that uh, the youngsters haven't experienced yet, but it's been on the cycle, it's gone away, coming, uh, come back again. So these fashions, these trends happen. And having a long-term perspective is, I think, helpful in, do, in, in looking at that. The other part of our perspective is an international one. Um, we are a small part, although actually you've got the list of countries there, the Catholic Church, in, the Catholic education system in the UK, if you put it together, count it together, it comes in at number 15, about the same as Brazil. Um, but we are a small part of a huge international uh, um, network, the largest national, international network of schools, and that gives us many opportunities for um, contrasting our experiences with our colleagues elsewhere. And that's always, we find, mutually enriching. And then the third part of the, the context is that uh, we have a geographical setup. So the Catholic Education Service doesn't run any schools, uh, but they are run by the 22 geographical dioceses across England and Wales. And they vary hugely in size and population and uh, other perspectives. But they are the heart of the accountability that I will talk, to, talk about a little uh, later. So in our statutory documents, um, we have to have a majority of governance that, are, that exist to preserve and develop the character of our schools. 
And uh, when that was being, uh, when the legislation was being consolidated back in the 1990s, parliamentary draftsmen said, you can't have that. You can't have preserve and develop. It's not possible. You can either preserve or you can develop. You can't have both. But we stuck to our guns because we believe actually that there's a, a balance between those two things. And striking the right balance on so many of these things is key to getting it right. So we have a position where our perspective gives us the, uh, I suppose in some ways, the wisdom to know when to be conservative, but perhaps also the courage to be innovative when that's required as well. And all of the time it's based on uh, lessons learned from our experience. So moving on to principles of good governance, we, have, we start from the principles of the church set out in the church's social teaching. And here we have another tension or balance, if you like, between two main uh, principles, one of which is the principle of subsidiarity and the other one solidarity. Now, both of these um, have become fashionable in a wider arena than the church, but it was the church that came up with them in the first place. Um, subsidiarity is the principle that decisions should ideally be made at the level closest to those who are affected by them. And the counterbalancing principle, that of solidarity, is the uh, need for everyone to work together to achieve the common good. And both of these are very applicable to the school situation and our experience in the, schools, the school sector. So those are the starting points for us in organising the way that our schools and academies work. I'd like to also focus on two additional uh, principles, which I think we have uh, very clearly in our system where it's working well, uh, and that is clarity and accountability. There are other principles, but those two, it seems to me, are at the heart of getting the structures right and getting structures that work for everybody in the education system. So let's talk a little bit about structures. And I think that there's a, there's a tension here between two aspects of structures. Now, again, those of you with long memories will remember the um, Labour government's edu first education bill, which became the School Standards and Framework Act. And it was a mantra that this was all about standards, it wasn't about structures. Well, I'm a lawyer, so you look at the bill, you look at the Act, the first six sections were about standards. The rest, a hundred or something, all the rest was about structures. But that's not to denigrate structures, because of course getting the structures right is important to getting the, uh, the, the product writing and allowing the standards to um, come about. So all educational structures, all school structures, have a number of intrinsic features. Uh, they're neutral. Um, they have different uh, potential, different flexibility. They have different limitations and can often have different unintended consequences. So if you're comparing, for instance, the uh, maintained school under a local authority uh, or an academy structure, each of those structures in itself isn't, uh, isn't intrinsically good or bad. It's what is it you're trying to achieve and how well can that particular structure be used to achieve it. 
And there are no perfect structures either. We've been trying a long time. We haven't come up with any. But overlaid on that, we often have in the education world particularly a kind of extrinsic features of different kinds of structures. So structures come with political baggage that don't have anything to do with the structures, the legal structures themselves. Um, but they can, if it, it, that, that, that political baggage turns into a culture, they can have a resulting ethos. Now, again, those with longer memories will remember grant-maintained schools. And it's a good example of one where the structures themselves were very, for us in the voluntary school sector, very similar to the structures of a maintained school um, within the local authority family. But the political baggage that came with them was very different. And that was something that created an ethos. And in the worst cases, created a culture where there was no or no um, sufficient accountability. So when we're looking at the structures that we need to use, we need to take those things into account. For us in the voluntary sector in particular and in the uh, Catholic sector in, partic in particular, we have a set of structures that don't differ depending on the type of school. So for us, each school has a relationship with its trustees and they're usually the diocese I talked about earlier, sometimes a religious order where the school, each of the schools, is accountable to its trustees for everything it does. And there's also the diocesan bishop who has uh, oversight and supervision of each of the schools. Now, the source of funding and the structures for getting that funding there, of course, differ. It's different in academies, where it comes from central government, maintained schools, where it comes from, uh, from local authorities, or independent schools, where the funding comes from fees. But nevertheless, for us, the accountability structures are there. We have over 2,000 schools across the country, and that's about 10% in both primary and secondary. In terms of academies, we have 578, and they're growing, um, and between 1 and 35 schools in each, multi tr in each academy trust. Um, the average is about 6, but that's a huge, uh, um, there's a huge range. And what we found is that the biggest factors are actually generally local ones in working out what size, what shape a multi-academy trust should take. There are different types of multi-academy trusts depending on the existing school infrastructure that you're bringing together. And geography is one of the strongest factors. But of course, there are other local considerations, not least uh, the way in which people have traditionally worked together or not in a particular area. So the, the academies and the other schools we've got are high performing. And here are some examples of the types of innovation that we've had uh, over the years. We, we created the first uh, federated school, the Diocese of Westminster worked together with their local authority to put two schools together under a single governing body using the flexibility they already had uh, with instruments of government. That was a successful experiment, uh, so successful that the government uh, thought it was a good idea and put it into the next uh, education bill, which became the 2001 legislation on, academy, on federations. Bringing us forward to the, 
what we call the new style academies that came in uh, from about 2010. Uh, that's the ones where it was expected that it was be open to um, out, good and outstanding schools to become academies rather than academies as previously just for schools that were struggling. Um, and at that time, there were really only two models available. There was the each school becomes a single academy company on its own. Um, and or the other one was the uh, the centralized what what are sometimes still called academy chains, which were very heavily centralized, very heavily uh, marketed. The branding was there. Um, there. There was there was very little variation. Neither of those suited at most of our dioceses that wanted to go into the academy market. What they wanted to do was they wanted not to break up the family of schools, the local families of schools, but to keep them together and bind them closer. The, the question of solidarity here was the, was the most important one. But at the same time, there was that principle of subsidiarity, which didn't look good with the centralized model. So we had to do quite a bit of work to come up with a new model where if you're talking about a, a, a bringing together into a single legal structure a group of generally very well-governed schools with good management and good governance, you don't want to risk destroying that. So we came up with a new model which was much more heavily devolved uh, to um, what became local governing bodies. That was the first incarnation of, of local governing bodies. And that was uh, aided by very careful work on schemes of delegation. So you had that clarity about at what level do, do various decisions need to be taken. So, so that was something that then was taken up more widely in the sector, and, and it's the most, I think it's the most common type of uh, multi-academy trust uh, that you will find today. And then one of the, uh, the reasons why the academy structure has been promoted um, over the years is the flexibility compared to the statutory situ situation with maintained schools in, uh, in, in, in local authority settings. But there's always a, 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 a but here. There is always a danger because there's nothing political but, but the way that bureaucracies work. Having given everyone wide flexibility over your structures, you can arrange it in any way you want. There's always then the tendency to say, hang on a minute, we can't cope with this huge variation across the sector. So what we need to do is we need to standardize it. So you hear people saying, what does the ideal mat look like? And you, one needs to be wary of that because the ideal mat is the one that works in this time and this space. And it may not be the same as the one that works in that time and that space and that set of circumstances. So there's always that, that, that problem. And as I said before, there's this idea of horses for courses if you are bringing together a strong school, say, and two struggling schools, that's a different kind of uh, entity to one where you're bringing together a dozen extremely well-run schools. Different, it needs different type uh, of governance structure. And I've said here what I call the problem of ASPIC because the way in which the academy system was designed from the beginning was that it was, it was to be designed for the schools as they were when they entered the system. But there was no mechanism. It can be done, but there was no mechanism. And I don't think there really is in any systematic way to say five or ten years down the line, is this still the right structure? 
So there's kind of no, there's an entrance. It was all heavily uh, focused on getting people into the system under a particular structure, but not how that structure might look in, in years to come. And our experience tells us that today's successful school is not always tomorrow's successful school. Tomorrow, today's struggling school is not always tomorrow's struggling school. And things change, and there has to be a, a, a way of um, revising and uh, evaluating structures to see if they're still right for today's uh, education in that particular set of circumstances. Going on to growth and uh, development, there is this question about uh, how many, how fast. Now, this picture here is uh, Monsignor Georges Lemaitre, who um, came up with the Big Bang Theory. That was very good for physics, but the question we need to address is whether it's always good for academies. There are two ways of getting a large multi-academy trust, of course. One is you start small and grow. But in the, in the initial stages, there was also the let's get them all together at one stage. And we had a number of those. And we had different experiences. Some of them actually did work well. I've mentioned you, you've got a, a, a group of schools that, uh, that are very well governed. You try and change as little as possible in the transition from being a maintained school to being a, uh, a, an academy, um, but at the same time bringing in the new structures. If you do that with a group of schools that are extremely well governed, the chances are they will continue to be extremely well governed and there's not a problem. And that was our experience um, with some of the early ones, such as uh, the, the Diocese of Westminster Academy Trust, which uh, um, started off with 11 schools. But it doesn't always work like that. And we have most of our large multi-academy trusts perform extremely well. But we had one experience where uh, a diocese decided to go for 35 all at once. And there were underlying structural issues that weren't addressed at the time. Uh, in addition to that, the internal accountability was unclear. What line management versus local governing bodies. There was no clarity about how that would work. And essentially, in some of the schools where a culture needed to change for future viability, that culture didn't change. And so that was a, a lesson learnt. We're fortunate to say that now um, that particular large multi-academy trust has been, is in the process of being turned around and recently commented by uh, by uh, government uh, ministers as a good example of getting from g getting into difficulty to moving forward to good governance. But in the main, the, uh, the favoured approach for many is a slower period, a slower pattern of growth. So making sure each stage that the multi-academy trust is ready to take on the next uh, batch of schools in order to grow. And the other part of our system, going back to the existence of dioceses as key strategic players who are trying to map out the landscape and have a strategic direction for um, as much as one can in educational policy uh, that spans decades, um, is to kind of map out not so much you're all going to become academies and this is how you're going to do it, but if and when you want to become academies, the, this, is the, this is the family of schools that you are likely to end up with. And that means that collaboration can start even before that process because there can be other forms of collaboration 
uh, within, the, uh, within the diocese and within that group of schools. Uh, as indeed some dioceses have used uh, the, the umbrella model, so short of a full multi-academy trust, but uh, an, an umbrella model to um, get schools to share certain services, make savings uh, in, in practical terms, but also to um, come together closer without that legal structure. L- looking at, them, at managing that transition, the cultural change and cultural shift is very important. I mentioned about the lessons learned from the large multi-academy trust where that didn't change. But we've got to um, remember the balance between the cause and effect because structures and their baggage cause culture as much as needing to shift culture to get, get them in. So um, our systems of educational governance and leadership create and to a certain extent dictate the models of leadership. And I think one of the interesting things that's happening now is how that is shifting. As we get large numbers of schools that are coming together in a more collaborative uh, working arrangement, a more collaborative governance, we're seeing different models of leadership opening up. So going back to the, the baggage of grant maintained I mentioned earlier, it attracted a, it attracted a certain type of leader. And sometimes the lack of, auto- uh, lack of um, accountability uh, sometimes drew perhaps the wrong culture out of, out of the system. Whereas now there are jobs uh, within a larger multi-academy trusts, for instance, that never existed before, or at least um, haven't existed since local authorities were doing uh, a lot of work on subjects. So not just leadership roles which are very different to anything we've seen before, and flexible, and a huge range of them. Bureaucrats can't cope with that. There we are. Um, But also, there are new um, roles that we haven't seen before going away from leadership and management. Advanced skills teachers, I don't think, really kept that many wonderful teachers in the classroom. But if you have the opportunity and a career path whereby you go from head of subject of a school to planning a curriculum, perhaps from 3 to 19, over perhaps 20 uh, schools. That's an opportunity that somebody who's passionate about his or her subject um, would find uh, a a, a real um, exciting challenge and something which hasn't existed in that format ever before. And then finally, going back to structures, we, we are... Stuck may be the wrong word, but we are given the structures we're given. In academies, it's a, an off-the-shelf commercial uh, entity called the Company Limited by Guarantee. And that has all sorts of uh, unintended consequences, as well as restrictions uh, and complexities that are, have nothing to do with education. Um, some of the, re- the, 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 the annual reports and all of those kind of things you have to do for Companies House, if you're on one of these companies, it's got nothing to do with education. And I don't believe it it improves accountability. So we might want to think creatively about uh, other structures, other charitable structures within which academies could sit that might be easier, simpler, uh, and more flexible. For instance, the charitable incorporated organization. So that's uh, a a little tour around some of our experience. I'm very happy to take questions and uh, comments if there are any. Thank you. I haven't got much voice, so a microphone is a good thing. Um, within a mat, yeah. how do you 
what structure have you used to develop teaching and learning? What's your leadership so model? Teaching and learning. Teaching and learning. Yeah. How do you? How? What experience have you had of that? How you set that up to make sure that teaching learning's improved? So I think there's I think there's a number of strands to that. Um, I, I, I come at it more from a strategic level than the than the than the, the, the professional educator level. But um, I think there's a number of strands to that. One relates to what type of academy, multi-academy trust is it? Um, so if you are talking about a, a, a network of largely well-run schools where there's a local governing body and quite a lot of school autonomy, then uh, one of the models there is to... Uh, make the person who is the local head teacher or head of school or whatever they're called, that they're relieved, if you like, of the burdens of some of the non-teaching and learning uh, aspects of running a school, what we used to call in the old days bogs, boilers and drains, so that they are released to be the, uh, the, 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 education, the, the lead education professional. That's their, their sole focus. So what they're concentrating on is they have the responsibility for um, improving the standards in teaching and learning in their school. They are supported by the infrastructure of the multi-academy trust. There's also strong accountability um, between the, uh, the, the individual school and, and uh, the, the, the centre. You, you, other models that, that we've seen work um, might be uh, more centralised, if you like, across the multi-academy trust, where you would be then developing a common curriculum, perhaps uh, having subject leads across the entire um, system. So I think there's a lot of different models of how you do that. But I think that the key to it, um, number one, it's people getting the right people in the right posts to do that. Uh, and number two, as I said, clarity about who is responsible for it and who are they, who are they responsible to. And thirdly, comes with that the accountability, strong line management, and uh, working that into the, to the, the holistic vision of the, of the whole multi-academy trust. Don't forget to register for your free place at our upcoming show on www.schoolsandacademiesshow.co.uk.